Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, our chief reporter, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and our uber-legal eagle, Sarah Miller, they recently went all the way to Geneva's Palace of Nations to deliver our petition decrying the human rights abuses taking place in Justin Trudeau's Canada these days. The question is, will the human rights head honchos take this petition seriously, or will they bury it? Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the nitty-gritty details. And last week in Montreal, the circus, or I mean the radicalized transgender parade came to town. And guess what? The various spirit unicorns have absolutely no problem with children changing their gender. Alexa Lavoie has all the shocking details. And letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your correspondence about the shocking incident that occurred to Linda Todd of Port Coquitlam, British Columbia. You see, Linda went to a Walmart store in nearby Maple Ridge and was shocked to discover that the store was using a security camera to film up her skirt and was displaying that image on a monitor for all to see. Even worse, Walmart doesn't seem to care about this outrageous breach of her personal privacy. Unbelievable. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. Sheila Gunn-Reed for Rebel News, and I'm here in Geneva, Switzerland. I'm standing in front of the United Nations complex. That's the League of Nations building behind me. You see, Sarah Miller and I have successfully completed the hand delivery of our complaint to the Human Rights Council on the treatment of political dissidents in Canada. Opposition to the government has been criminalized in Canada. Bank accounts have been seized, pastors arrested, and political protesters, peaceful ones, incarcerated for weeks on end. You can support our mission by going to humanrightscomplaint.com. But this bizarre Art Deco cathedral to globalism behind me has never stopped an atrocity unfolding in the world since it was first constructed to house the League of Nations after World War I, while Americans were building the Chrysler Building and the Empire State Building as testaments to the accomplishments of individual men and technology and freedom and capitalism, and they were building those testaments with their own money, globalists were building with tax dollars what they thought would be the capital of the world, the new world. This soulless, boring and imposing building is like a flea market knockoff of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. The building here, the Palace of Nations, was finished just in time for the kickoff of World War II and the Holocaust. The building actually reminds me of those foreboding Art Deco buildings from Ghostbusters or Rosemary's Baby that were designed to funnel evil powers to evil people in pursuit of power. Now, I'm not saying that's what's happening here. I'm just saying that very little good has come from the United Nations, though they say they are a force for good. For example, right across the street from the Palace of Nations is a massive art installation. It's called the Broken Chair. The sculpture is meant to draw attention to the use of landmines in conflicts. Now, it was erected in 1997, and yet still China and Russia and Pakistan continue to be countries planting the most landmines in the world each and every year. This building here has yet another planned renovation and refurbishment underway, and that's supposed to wrap up sometime in 
2023, you know, sometime after the Russian war on Ukraine ends. Or maybe by the time the United Nations rotates Iran off the Women's Rights Council. This building here was built by powerful people to occupy for themselves in perpetuity, to ring in world peace. But really, they've done nothing but ignore atrocities. And that's not the same as atrocities never happening. This began as the Palace of Nations, and it's finishing as a hostel for hypocrites. Building yourself a castle does not make you a king. Wow, I remember a terrific, albeit overlooked, underrated film from 1975 starring Michael Caine and Sean Connery entitled The Man Who Would Be King. It was all about a scheme concocted by a pair of rascals who sought to become royalty. We want to ask you a favor. Another favor? Calm yourself, Brother Kipling. You've never taken advantage of a fellow in the crowd. We don't want money, just a little of your time, a look at a book or two, a study of your maps. We'll take a drink if one's being offered, but we won't be put out if one isn't. Feature here is as sober as I am. It's important you have no doubts on that score. Well, that flick came to mind while gazing upon that pompous Geneva edifice that is no doubt inhabited by rascals galore. In fact, let's call that building the palace that would be a kingdom. Well, thankfully, that hasn't come to fruition. Well, not yet. But then again, these globalists, they're a diligent bunch, aren't they? As they now advocate that we should eat bugs and surrender our automobiles, even though they dine out on filet mignon and get around town in chauffeur-driven limousines. What a joke. And joining me now with more on her visit to Geneva is our chief reporter, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Hey, how you doing, Sheila? I'm great. Can we call it a visit to Geneva? I think I was only on the ground there for about 22 hours. <laughs> you, you have to spend more time than that. Come on. you. Unlike the CBC, uh, we do things on a shoestring budget. We're oh, not staying we over at five-star uh, <laughs> hotels in Geneva, uh, but it's great to have you back. But Sheila, we, you know, when we'll get to the outrageous hypocrisy that you uncovered in your uh, superb video. But the reason why you and our legal eagle lawyer, Sarah Miller, went to Geneva was to deliver that petition uh, regarding human rights abuses in Justin Trudeau's Canada. The big question is this, Sheila, is this going to be taken seriously or are they going to bury it? You know, I'm not sure. I might be surprised. Um, sometimes these oligarchs like to use the problems in other countries to distract away from themselves. Mm. For example, China might say, you know what, let's investigate Canada since we are locking up all those people in the concentration camps over here. Wouldn't it be nice to point a finger over there for a little bit? Likewise with uh, Russia and some of these other um, countries that have no business being at the United Nations and no business rotating in and out of the Human Rights Council. So, you know, th there's that too. Uh, really, one of two things is going to come from this, and I think I'm fine either way. So the United Nations is going to discredit itself some more um, <laughs> to prove itself to be a toothless, you know, a paper tiger, just uh, an organization that exists to virtue signal about how they were the ones to bring in this era of new peace um, that has never been. They've never stopped a single atrocity. All they do is send in cleanup crews after the fact. Um, so they will continue to discredit themselves, um, preening about human rights, but not actually ever doing anything about it when their friends stomp all over them. 
or they just might actually investigate and embarrass Justin Trudeau and and take him down a peg. And frankly, either outcome is fine for me. You know, two things, Sheila, you're right about the U.N. Whenever they strike a human rights uh, commission uh, or council, I forget the exact terminology, typically you see appointed to that countries with the most atrocious human rights records. I'm talking Saudi Arabia, Iran, North Korea. Uh, they're the human rights gatekeepers, uh, which is outrageous. But to go back to your original point, one reason why they may, might take our petition seriously is that, as you well know, Sheila, the number one rule when it comes to a bureaucracy is to grow the bureaucracy. So 100%. they might, even if it they don't like us, even if they're going through the motions, they'll still strike a committee to take a look at it simply because, well, it gives them more work to do on the taxpayer teat, of course. Well, definitely. And moreover, to your point, I was just looking at it at the corner of my eye here. Um, to see if Saudi Arabia was still on the United Nations um, <laughs> human rights, or not human rights, but rather the uh, women's rights council. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I think they were on it in 2021. So that just shows you how ridiculous these people are. But really, they do only send in the cleanup crews. So while genocides are happening, happening, they really don't do anything. Um, they just come in after the fact and offer humanitarian aid. Um, they let the world's uh, dictators basically just run amok. Um, and they do it in the name of tolerance. They say, you know, we have to engage these people um, because we have to teach them our ways. But really, um, you know, when you're, you've got the likes of Saudi Arabia and Iran um, at the same table as some of the world's greatest democracies, United States, Israel, um, it, it just doesn't make any sense that everybody's on the same playing field there. Uh, but they've really done nothing. I, I think the building there was originally built for the League of Nations, the forerunner of the United Nations, in that sort of era of new peace they wanted it to be after World War One. Well, it was finished in 1938, just in time for the kickoff of <laughs> World War II. Um, and right now, the, the building itself is undergoing a major renovation. Um, as there's a war in Ukraine where Russia is incur is, you know, attacking Ukraine. So, I mean, what do they do there except exist to exist? You know, it, it's just startling, uh, Sheila. We have seen by history that a policy of appeasing the worst bullies on the planet never works. That's what we did in the 1930s with Hitler as he uh, rushed to rearm Germany. And it was, oh, play nice, play nice. Uh, he's really not a bad guy. He's uh, got a nice freeway system design and uh, he's uh, coming up with a people's car and whatnot. Um, and also you said that they're putting in a redesign a, a renovation to this yeah. uh palatial thing i mean why I, I i bet you from what i could see with your video and by the way we, you couldn't go into the uh palace no. because as much as they <laughs> condemn the likes of israel or the united states at least under trump for putting up walls to protect uh their sovereign states as much as they'd like to condemn that they really love the idea of uh, big walls and gates and fences and armed people behind them. So what's the deal with uh, giving the palace a makeover? 
I don't know. I'd love to see what sort of condition the place is in. Is it run down? I have no idea because you can't get anywhere near it unless you go on one of the highly controlled guided tours that you have to book in advance. And that's not what I was there to do. But yeah, you can tell that they've really been successful in bringing in all that world peace by all the anti-terrorism fencing and oh, all the yeah. armed guards that they've got kicking around over there. But uh, moreover to my trip there, uh, you know, some of these, sometimes these sorts of complaints do prompt action. I think it was at the height of the anti-pipeline protest sort of in 2013, 2014. Somebody made a complaint to the United Nations about Canada's treatment of Indigenous people. I'm not sure why, because I think Stephen Harper was just trying to give them jobs. But anyway, <laughs> somebody made a complaint and all of a sudden they deployed what's called a special rapporteur on the rights of indigenous people. And they came, they did an investigation. And as the name suggests, they did a lot of talking to people in government, to indigenous people. I'm not sure how much talking they did to the indigenous people who were in partnership with a lot of those pipelines, but rather the activist busybodies on the other side looking to unemploy everybody. But that person did come for what it was worth. So, Interestingly enough, there is a special rapporteur on the rights of human rights defenders. Interesting. And that that person has a special focus on gender. So female human rights defenders. And wouldn't you know it if Tamara Leach didn't fit the bill there? Oh, Excellent point. Uh, so there might be hope for taking this petition seriously after all. Tell me, Sheila, since you were there with her, Sarah Miller, I think this is one super smart lady uh, when it comes to the lawyering <laughs> game. What was her take? What did she say uh, in terms of where she expects this petition to go and if there is an investigation, uh, if it will, um, well, yes, condemn this current government for the human rights abuses we've witnessed in the last couple of years. You know, she really didn't have any expectations. We're just sort of in a waiting game. She she did her job. She delivered it. We got a stamped receipt that they did receive and accept our human rights complaint. Not that they'll let you in the building, but apparently they don't get a lot of walk-ups around there <laughs> with human <laughs> rights complaints. Um, but her complaint was meticulously crafted. So normally they want about an eight-page complaint cover letter. Hers was 15. Wow. And then she had a three inch binder and it wasn't closed. It was, you know, even three inch binder of all of her evidence of human rights abuses over the last two years under the auspices of the pandemic. But really, it came down to do you disagree with the government? Because if you do, you no longer have human rights. Um, and, you know, she cited specific instances where the UN had admonished Saudi Arabia for doing that which Trudeau has done. And she said, oh. okay, you, this is what you did when Saudi Arabia did this to political dissidents and religious minorities. This is what Justin Trudeau has done. There's an expectation that you should react the same. So she was incredibly meticulous. That woman is worth every penny. <laughs> That, that's amazing, Sheila. Uh, but then again, when it comes to Saudi Arabia, on the other hand, uh, this is a country, as you mentioned just a few minutes ago, that was on the Women Rights uh, yeah. uh, Commission. <laughs> uh, and up until very recently, half of the population of Saudi Arabia was not allowed to drive an automobile. That would be 
woman. So I don't even know how that doesn't automatically disqualify you. One last question, um, Sheila. As I mentioned, we travel very frugally when we do these campaigns. But if some of our viewers would like to help us out with our expenses, because no one else is doing this. In fact, you know, the mainstream media gives entities like this cover and uh, excuses for their behavior. But if someone wants to help us out with our uh, expenses, Sheila, what can they do? Sure. Yeah. And you're right to point out that we are incredibly frugal with our expenses. Um, my flights, I was actually spent more time flying than I did on the ground in Geneva <laughs> because I think we booked <laughs> the milk run and then Air Canada rebooked me. Some They managed to make it even worse when they canceled my flights last minute and rebooked me. Um, but we also have to cover Sarah's fees and the hours upon hours upon hours that she spent drafting that human rights complaint. Um, she's one of the best human rights lawyers in the country. We know her as Pastor Arthur Pulowski's longtime lawyer, and she just recently secured um, a victory for him at the Alberta Court of Appeal. So um, if people would like to cover our expenses to do something, do anything, to raise the profile of those mm -hmm. who suffered at the hands of the government over the last two years, they can make a donation and they can see our complaint and our stamped uh, receipt at humanrightscomplaint.com. Sheila, thank you so much to both you and Sarah for making that uh, journey. It's much needed. Hopefully something will come of it. We will cover the follow-up uh, one way or the other. And uh, you have a wonderful weekend, my friend. I will. You too, David. Thank you, Sheila. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, our chief reporter, somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Which age do you think that it's the limit for allowing? That's definitely like not my place to comment. I think that kids should be allowed to follow what they want to do. Hey Alexa for Bad News and I'm currently in St. Catherine Street in the gay village and I'm here because a trans march just started and I'm here to ask a couple of questions to them to know first of all how they define themselves and as well if they think that young children should be allowed to have their transition for being a trans person and we will see if a lot of people are open to talk to me and we'll see what will happen so let's check it out so if you appreciate this kind of report please go over rebelfieldreport.com and chip in generously to help us to continue our journalism so i just asking people today um why they are here today um because i'm trans and i had nothing better to do nothing better <laughs> nothing better to do invasion in france for être là pour parler puis pour faire connaître notre présence I'm here basically to support this mission. Basically, I don't know what else to say about that, but like a lot of the mission that they specified. Yeah, the values they've spelled out and the demands they have. Oui, ben pour manifester mon support envers les personnes trans, puis en tant que personne genderqueer moi-même, je représente les profs d'intérêt aussi. Ben en fait aujourd'hui c'est une marche pour la libération des droits trans, something like this. Mais ouais, donc c'est ça en fait les gens trans, queer, non binaires, allies. 
se regroupe aujourd'hui pour ça, les droits trans. Comment que vous définissez en tant que personne? Euh, moi, je suis un homme trans, très binaire. Binaire? Binaire. Qu'est-ce que ça signifie, binaire? Euh, ben, t'as les personnes qui sont binaires, puis t'as les personnes qui sont non-binaires. Donc, les personnes qui sont pas dans le spectre homme ou femme. Okay. Puis moi, ben, je considère que je suis dans le spectre de l'homme. Much else to say about that. I'm not straight, but that's... <laughs> Are you a man, woman? Are you binaire, non-binaire? I'm a woman. And do you, you have other identifications? No. No? I think it's basically that simple. <laughs> And how you define yourself? Uh, Non-binary. Comment vous définissez? Uh, genderqueer, c'est l'identité que j'utilise. Fait que je, je, me, je me sens un peu représentée dans tout et dans rien en même temps. Personne non-binaire. Non-binaire? Exactement. Tout simplement? Uh, Non-binary? Mm -hmm. uh, trans, yes. <laughs> um, I'm a femme. Uh, yeah, so basically a sapphic identity, feminine. Should we uh, legalize and permit young children to have a transition for being trans? Uh, what do you mean by a transition, exactly? Like a transition to pass to the man to woman or woman to men. So do you mean hormone replacement therapy or yeah. surgeries yeah. or, yeah. okay. The therapy. So the, surgery. okay, so hormone therapy. Uh, yes, I would say so. I think that it's obviously, depending on the age, there are different circumstances. Um, there's, this is actually being debated a lot currently by WPATH, although the guidelines that they published are a little bit controversial. I think that they're a little bit too strict, but it definitely, an outright ban on hormone therapy for minors is not something that I would support. So you you think that every all age years old should be able to do the transition? Uh, yes, I would say so. But the criteria tend to change with younger people. I would say. Wow, isn't it incredible that we have age restrictions for minors when it comes to oh you know buying liquor, cigarettes, lottery tickets, getting a driver's license, being able to vote, and so on and so on. Yet the alphabet soup people, they think it's a-okay for a child to take puberty blockers and get their genitalia sliced and diced, all in the name of radical transgenderism. It is absolutely sickening that these degenerates are actually being taken seriously as opposed to receiving psychiatric counseling. And joining me now for that sinister circus that was the trans march in montreal is alexa lavois hey how you doing there alexa i'm pretty good and you david i'm doing great you're looking fantastic <laughs> uh and, but i gotta tell you alexa first thing first things first here pride month i think correct me if i'm wrong i think that was the entire month of june yet here we are into august and there's <laughs> still pride stuff going on uh what's the deal with that in the first place Oh, you didn't know. Now it will be like the entire summer, gay summer. Oh, pride season. <laughs> no, but actually it's true. It was all uh, June month. And uh, I don't know why they actually uh, took another weekend because it's not only one day. It was the, the full weekend with in uh, the Olympic Stadium had like a big gay festival with dj music and in the gay uh, village they had like some uh the transgender march on the saturday and as well they were supposed to have the lgbtq plus march 
uh, on uh, Sunday, but unfortunately, because of a lack of uh, volunteer, they needed to uh, cancel the event because they said that they didn't have any uh, security. Probably we scared them on Saturday, and it's why they didn't proceed to have their march on the day after. Unbelievable, but but you know, but like I, you know, we've talked about this before, Alexa. When when you look at Pride, they, they it's the LGBTQ and on and on. I can't remember all the. Uh, uh, initials and numbers, but the T stands for transgender. So they are included in that June event. So it's baffling to me, but more seriously was when you were interviewing some of those people there and they're completely gung ho on children, taking it upon themselves to go through with a uh, gender transition. I, Alexa, I found that so disturbing. Uh, like I said, in the preamble, we have age restrictions for everything from driving a car to buying liquor and lottery tickets. Why do they think something so important uh, should be made, that decision should be made by someone that is presumably still in elementary school? So for my part, you know, I have no problem with the fact that when they pass 18 and they really want to do their transition, this is not my my problem it's your decision it's your body your choice but when it's come to children when we know that they really don't know yet who they are uh what they want and they get influenced by the social life and their environment and their culture that can influence their decision on something that they will regret afterwards we know, like, we saw a lot of bad decisions, and probably, David, you took some bad decisions when you were children, and after that, you regret it, because it's what we do when we are children. We do mistake, and after that, we learn from it. But that decision that we, they would take will have irreversible uh, impact on their body. And this is comes to why, for my part, I was... Just curious to know their point of view on the if they we should allow young children to complete their transition with the hormone and the pill blocker and and most of them were agreeing with it like to let children proceed to this uh, transition as early as they they can but in the same time for myself do you really think that a children is fully completely um capable to take an important decision like that i don't think so no. and probably most of the people don't don't think so but i think it's like the influence of the society from today is allowing whatever you want because they think that we should not interfere with that i'm sorry you are children you need to live as a children and you need to really take that decision should not be taken by you but probably by a psychologist, by a lot of medical people behind who are there to decide if you're fully understanding and fully apt to handle the consequences of your act.
Oh, and, and Alexa, I totally agree with you. And there's another factor, and that is the passage of time. I mean, I think back, I mean, I didn't know uh, Lady Menzoid when she was a child, but she tells me when she was a girl, if anyone gave her a Barbie doll, she'd pull its head off. She liked to climb trees, run around with the boys. She was a tomboy. And people back then uh, would say, oh, you know, she's just going through a phase, which was correct. I would argue today, a little girl liking boy things um, some parents might be so brainwashed to say, oh my God, we have a boy trapped in a girl's body. We have to do something about it right now instead of late, waiting for years to pass by and see if uh, this person is indeed just going through a phase. What do you say about that, my friend? But I would say it's the same. Like I would say when I was young, like I had the influence and the pressure from the society. You know, In the past, it was like... <laughs> It was the big boot, you know. Yeah. People were like looking for uh, surgical uh, boobs that people were putting on them, and I, for part of my life, I was like, I need, I need, I need, I need. And afterwards, I'm so glad that I didn't do it because now it's not all I'm thinking anymore. And and it's the same, like, it's just a pressure from the society make you think that, yes, you need that, or yes, you should be like that. And at the end of the day, it's just what the society wants from you, kind of, because yeah. it's, it's always that. It's not, if, if you remove all the society, okay, and you live, like, in a campaign where nobody's there, and you live on your field, do you think really like the percentage of the population once the transition will be as high as now? No, I don't think so. No, uh, I totally agree, Alexa. And, and you know, I was looking at some of the signage the uh, marchers had. One said the future is binary. I, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> there was another, I'm going by memory. Uh, I have 99 problems and all of them were created by uh, white cis uh, patriarchy. I don't know what race has to do with it, but somehow that gets involved. And then you had that encounter where um, one of the persons, and I'm saying persons because uh, I don't know if they're male or female, and God forbid you misgender somebody in 2022, <laughs> you might get arrested. But they're saying, um, how do we get her out of here? Out of here, meaning you're on a public street. You have every right to be there. Uh, if they don't like the questions, uh, well, walk away. Um, how would you assess so many of the people that took part in that demonstration? I got to tell you, Alexa, they seemed really intolerant to me. Yeah, so I did remove my flash mic because I didn't want it to provoke. I didn't want it to do anything, you know, and I know that a lot of people in that crowd probably don't like prevent news i don't know why they probably have their own reason for that uh, they probably uh, are maybe they have like anti-fascists on this uh, group i don't know but i was just okay i just removed my flash mic and i just asked no more question not provocating nobody just just if you want to answer to me you're allowed to if you know, don't, uh, I will respect your choice. But it seems like that, that some people came to me and recognized probably my face and say, for who you work, I say, and I, I would not hide it. I say, I work for Ruben News. You can see our content, our website. And they start to say, like, we are extremists, right wing. And when I say, I'm sorry, 
We are not extremist right wing. What that come from? I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not even right. I'm not even left. I'm just there for asking question. Why? What the political side have to do with the fact that I'm just asking question? And and some of the, some of the security came to me and say, "Oh, we, you need to go out of here." We heard that you're extremist <laughs> r- uh, right wing, and I was like, "No, we are not. I'm here for." questioning people and we are just independent media who who tell the other side of the story and they look at me and they didn't know what to do with me and they were like um what we are doing with her um and i say you you don't even know who i am oh you can actually judge me you don't know for who I'm, i'm working for you don't know who i am and probably you don't know for what i am in political uh side and when i see a guy coming from but I don't know if it's a guy or a woman I will I will be careful on that but <laughs> uh he say for for who you're taking for the conservative party like Leslie Lewis I was like uh no we are covering all of them why mentioning like Leslie Lewis because now like you attack me on abortion because you say that she's pro abortion uh, is she no she's Anti-abortion. I don't even know uh, what she stands for, <laughs> and 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 I was like, okay, do you want to? Are you pro or are you against abortion? He, he, and he didn't want it to answer. I was like, okay, now you're just attacking me on whatever you were able to find yeah. because you just want to make me uncomfortable. But at the end, you just look like a a, a person who actually don't know what they are talking about. Well, you know, Alexa, I, I just find it perversely ironic that this community is asking, rather demanding uh, tolerance, and yet they are so intolerant to anyone who has a contrarian opinion. But I want to ask you uh, one last question. I'm wondering if the tide is beginning to turn when it comes to radical transgenderism. And I talk about there are various sporting authorities in the world right now that are saying, like the the World Rugby Union, if you're going to play female rugby, you have to be a biologically born female, full stop, period, because this is a contact sport. And and if we have biological men pretending to be women, it's a health and safety risk. And it sure as heck is. And then we have, I believe there's uh, in England, uh, they're no longer going to have males identifying as women serve penitentiary time with real females. And also in England, this is very interesting. The Tavistock Center, uh, Alexa, uh, this is the only dedicated identity clinic for children and young people. It was investigated. And uh, almost two weeks ago, the conclusion of the investigation came out, which was this clinic is going to be shut down. Now, the reason why you've never heard about this, Alexa, is because the mainstream media uh, on this side of the uh, pond, they won't cover it. Uh, they uh, it goes against their narrative. But this, uh, uh, you know, a committee that looked into the Tavistock Center, they found that um, it was causing damage to young people. They looked at the side effects of puberty blockers, including vision loss. And they said, that's it. When it comes to young people and children being, you know, encouraged to transition, no more. It is off the table. I find this to be a victory. I hope other such clinics around the world are also shut down. Last word goes to you, Alexa. 
Uh, I would just say that that I, I I understand what it is like to feel different, okay? I would say that I'm come from, and I'm not really worried to say it, I'm come from LGBTQ environment and I have a respect for, for them. But now I think they are pushing too much. They are pushing on, on, on children, they are pushing on... on it, it, I think... It, now it's just over explode the place and and when like example my 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 premier say we want to fill them um um comfortable okay but i'm sorry they are naked in the street uh dancing so i think they are pretty comfortable like it's not the point here like the point is it's always too much like being naked in the street will not make you more accepted in the society. Yeah. Uh, doing what you're doing right now, I don't think that will make you more accepted in this society. The, the only problem is, do, is doing the opposite. And, and now that's created, again, a polarization in this socii society that we don't need at the moment that make like people really on the one side and really on the other side. And I think as well with the pressure of the society, I will not be surprised that uh, the LGBTQ plus and the transgender will grow and will grow. And unfortunately, I think some victim of all this social pressure, uh, we will see some that, that did the transition and they regret afterwards. And unfortunately, they will live with the consequences, the psychological and physical consequences of the pressure of the society who tell them that it's okay to proceed to their uh, transition, but not because they were not fully capable to choose. And it was not like a perfect consentment. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And Alexa, you know, like you, I'm a big believer in freedom. I am not anti-transgender. If you're a man or a woman and you want to go through life uh, pretending you're the opposite gender and you're going to take the hormone shots and you're going to slice and dice your genitals and what have you and just live your life in suburbia, no problem. Where I draw the line, it's getting this agenda foisted upon minors. It is getting this agenda foisted upon the, the penal system and the sports uh, organizations. At the end of the day, it is anti-female, and I have no idea why feminist groups aren't making more noise about this uh, than they are. We'll leave it there. I just want to, I'm gonna put you on the spot, Alexa. I want you to make me a promise, our entire audience, a promise right now. You will never transition into a male, okay? I swear I will not. It's not because I, I wear a hat with transition. Okay, Olivia, you archive that footage. So we're going to hold Alexa to that because you're, you're one of my favorite 100% biological females, Alexa. So you have a yeah, good weekend. Yeah, I'm a strong, I'm stronger than you. David. Yeah, you probably are. <laughs> you have a great weekend, my friend. You too. Okay, there you go. And that was Alexa Lavois in Montreal. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
Walmart is a multi-billion dollar conglomerate that has been a huge hit with Canadian shoppers ever since the Arkansas-based mega chain moved into our great dominion way back in 1994. And little wonder, Walmart is known for both great value and for carrying a huge selection of products. But recently, Linda Todd of Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, visited the Walmart in nearby Maple Ridge. She was on a shopping trip, but what she did not expect to happen was to endure public humiliation thanks to an outrageous breach of her personal privacy. And with more on this incident, Miss Todd joins me now from Port Coquitlam, BC. Hey, Linda, how are you doing today? I'm good, David. Thanks for having me. Well, it is indeed a pleasure. So, Linda, take us back to that day a few weeks ago when you went to pay for your merchandise at a Walmart cashier. What exactly happened? Well, I was staying there and I was kind of looking around. I always like to, you know, know what's going on around me. And I noticed... Uh, above her on the pillar that is part of the uh, cash, uh, the, the checkout stand, uh, there was like a video screen, a screen that was probably about this big. <clears throat> and I'm looking at it and I could see somebody was on the screen and the camera angle was very bad. It was looking up this person's skirt. And I was looking at the video because the face was getting out of the, the screen. And I'm looking at this thinking, oh, that poor person, who is that? Who is that on the screen? That's terrible. And then I recognized my own clothing <laughs> and I went, oh, that's me on the screen. And then I looked around to see who else could be seeing this screen and, and the way it's facing anybody, anybody who's on that end of Walmart walking past the, the check stands. And there's always a bunch of people there. Anybody could have glanced up and seen what I saw on the screen. And I hurriedly looked around. I was trying to figure out where the camera was. And the camera was practically down at my feet. And so I'm gasping. I said to the cashier, look on your screen. That's me. It's looking at my skirt. And she said, oh, sorry, it's a fisheye lens. I said, I can see it's a fisheye lens, but it shouldn't be looking at my skirt. And she said, well, it's an anti-theft camera, so we can look at the bottom of the buggies. And I said, it's looking up my skirt. I get that. Yeah. And she just, she kind of apologized. And then she said, oh, yeah, we're getting a lot of complaints about that. I said, no wonder. What did the, what did the RCMP tell you, Linda? Well, specifically, I said, if this was some Joe on the street with his camera up my skirt, we would know what to do. And the police agreed completely. And of course, we know that it's a it's a criminal matter. And those people are charged with I don't know what they're charged with, some, some sort of indecency. Hmm. And uh, but because we're dealing with a corporation now, because we're dealing with Walmart and Walmart can say, oops, my bad. It all goes away. It's, this is blowing my mind. And yes, I did go speak to the police. And as soon as I showed the police, uh, both police members that I spoke to, as soon as I showed them the picture, they were both shocked and went, oh, oh, yeah, I, I see what you're talking about. It, it's not a, it's not a nothing. Mm. No, that's how it is sort of trying to push it back. The police did go there. I've reached out to the RCMP. I haven't heard back from them. Uh, I haven't heard back from Walmart corporate, but I did speak to and I believe you spoke to this lady, Oksana. Ayitzik, 
She is the privacy officer for Walmart Canada. First of all, um, Linda, how did your conversation with Oksana, the privacy officer, go regarding this egregious breach of your privacy? That, oh, it was, she checked with that Walmart and it was simply a matter of the camera malfunctioning. And I said to her, the camera is a fisheye lens. It is functioning exactly as I would expect a fisheye lens to function. My problem is a fisheye lens doesn't belong where it could be looking at people's skirts. And she said, oh, well, I'll check with that Walmart again. Because initially she said they had it fixed. And I didn't even want to go there because I doubted. But uh, she just, it was like it was, it was just a, a camera malfunction that mm. it was really nothing to worry about. And I, she's like, oh, we really value your business. And I said, I don't value having my private parts on display in your store. And uh, let's just check out what Oksana had to say. David, mm -hmm. so we are both discussing an incident that we were not part of. So my understanding is that the image that is shown on the monitor is seen by the cashier and granted by somebody who's standing next to the cashier and facing the same direction. Right. So a statement, the image is shown to all, is a bit exaggerated. Well, all that who are in, uh, let me modify that, all who are in view of that monitor, that's what Miss Todd told me when she was, okay. yeah. David, you are allowed to inquire I need to respond to you. Okay. Where I say your statement is exceeding the, the reality. So that is my opinion. Wow. As far as I'm concerned, Linda Todd has endured three slights regarding that recent visit to her friendly neighborhood Walmart store. The first was that outrageous breach of her personal privacy due to the upskirt camera video. Secondly, there was the police deciding that this was a civil as opposed to a criminal breach. And then there is the Walmart officials at head office in Mississauga, Ontario, who apparently don't give a rodent's rectum regarding what happened. What a disgrace all around. In any event, you had plenty to say about the voyeuristic ways of Walmart. Randy1743 writes, There is probably a perv employee sp spending the day seeing how many women don't wear panties. Well, you might be right, unfortunately, Randy. Hey, if I was the sort of pervert who took pleasure in looking up the skirts of women with a recording device, why would I risk being arrested if I was caught doing so? Instead, I think I would just seek out a Walmart store with that fisheye lens security camera, which diligently displays all the imagery caught on a high-definition monitor I don't think there is a criminal charge for being a spectator, after all. IC123 writes, If you're putting a she-her next to your name, I'm going to assume you are male. Yeah, really, what is the deal with that? It is clear from her photo that Walmart's privacy officer, Oksana Itzik, she-her, is indeed a female. I highly doubt she's ever been mistaken for a dude. And really, what does it say about woke Walmart that this corporation seems to be more concerned with getting their employees' gender pronouns correct rather than fixing a problem that grotesquely violates their customers' privacy? MyRock1985 writes, 
I was at that Walmart last week and noticed that camera showing my legs. I'm a guy, but for a woman, that's terrifying. Wow, my rock, yet another Walmart somewhere in Canada has a malfunctioning camera, it would seem. And here's another thing that makes Miss Todd's case so egregious. She says the cashier told her that the store was well aware of this problem, yet the store chose to do nothing about it. I think that's a downright criminal, really. Bitcoin champion writes, Nah, you got it backwards. Attention exhibitionists. Walmart wants you to show your twig and berries. Just go to thespeedosofwalmart.com and post your pictures today. Well, you know, uh, Bitcoin champion, you raise an interesting point. There is a fascinating website called peopleofwalmart.com. It displays photos of people shopping at Walmarts in attire that wouldn't be appropriate on a beach. Maybe Walmart is colluding with this website to provide it with more content. Who knows? But apparently there was one solitary viewer who incredibly is not fully on Linda's side regarding this privacy violation. BS22 writes, not appropriate, but then neither is what you're wearing. Wow, that's a little judgmental, isn't it? Or maybe you happen to be a Walmart executive. I mean, what exactly was wrong with the attire Miss Todd was wearing? Or are women supposed to anticipate in advance that merchants might be filming them from an inappropriate angle and therefore not wear skirts anymore? And talk about blaming the victim. I mean, BS22, what would you like to see Linda Todd wear next time she's on a shopping safari? That fabric coffin that is known as the burqa, perhaps? Give me a break. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there could be no glory. Good night. Good night.